Vice Admiral was perfectly healthy when she informed me there was an unknown weapon on a ship stolen by imposters posing as Starfleet. Yes, Admiral, but the protostar was out of reach in the neutral zone. So, you brought it to our front doorstep? Please tell me there's a plan. Sir, the protostar has refused to answer our hails, so we've been commanded to disrupt their shields to allow a boarding party. Approved. Get a team on that ship. Yes, Admiral. And with me, wiggling our asses and slapping it at the camera are Adam Bowen, <laughs> Emily Bowen Marler, and Rudika Baker. <laughs> Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of the Star Trek Prodigy episode, Supernova Part 1. But first, we want to remind you to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then, you know, tell your friends about our podcast. Give us five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. Good times. Good times for all. And before we get started, just want to remind our listeners that uh, we will obviously spoil this episode as we talk through it. Uh, spoil other parts of uh, Trek as a universe um, series, uh, and maybe sci-fi in general, uh, uh, maybe even beyond. And as always, the one thing we haven't been able to spoil, but fingers crossed for the next year, is reality. <laughs> one day, right? One day we will, we will, we'll, like what? Become cues, basically? We can, we can, we can tell what's going to happen, yeah. Um, which is that sci-fi show where people, like, slowly ascend into, like, a different plane. Uh, All of them? Left behind. <laughs> no, no, no. But there's there's one where like there, I'm like I'm. There's probably like multiple shows where a character basically becomes like a translucent god and like starts doing stuff. But I can't remember. I, I have like some vague memory. Strange energies. <laughs> Lower uh, touch. There you go. There you go. Touch, touch it's it's actually Star Trek. <laughs> okay. Anyway. 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 Well. As Adam told us before, we're talking about Supernova Part 1, which is the 19th episode of the first season of Prodigy. It was first aired on the 22nd of December, 2022. It was written by Aaron McNamara, directed by Andrew L. Schmidt, and the in-universe date is 2384. We always like to start our podcast with our strange new takes. So, gang, who's got a strange new take for me? Um... I was trying to think if I had a strange new take for life. And I don't know that I do other than I still think that 2022 sucks. <laughs> so I'm glad it's almost over. That's good. Um, and that every time I try to take time off, it just gets thwarted. It's very, very frustrating. But we will focus on the episode, which actually wasn't much better. <laughs> <laughs> my oh, my no. child declared to I actually liked the episode but my child declared to me this show they said this show was for kids but I don't think it's for kids <laughs> so <laughs> I told him that I I really hoped they would they would remember that the show is for kids when they have the conclusion next week so <sighs> yep um my strange new take the journal strange new take is 
in case you haven't been keeping in touch with uh, the recently concluded uh, soccer, or as known in the rest of the world, football, World Cup, if you don't watch soccer, um, if you haven't been keeping in touch with it, but you are somebody who likes a good uh, sports uh, game, do consider watching the World Cup final if you can find it somewhere. It um, is probably one of, in my, I'm biased, but probably in my mind, one of the greatest games played ever in any sport. Um, and again, there's been a lot of talk around <clears throat> the the complexities of the World Cup where it's held, the issues behind that. I am completely aligned with that. Um, I do feel though the game in its in isolation is definitely worth watching. Um, and in terms of this episode, I um, I think that the crew has some good combat skills. I don't remember <laughs> them, you know, like. Yeah doing that uh kind of stuff as well maybe maybe on that weird planet where they uh uh, uh first encounter the dreadnought or dreadnought i think uh the divine dreadnought but yeah that was some pretty cool stuff until they all got caught uh for my strange new take uh I gotta say, so I uh, we rescued uh, or we, we adopted uh, five chickens uh, right after recording last week, <laughs> and uh, uh, these girls uh, spent a, a little while longer in the um, uh, the egg producing producing facility, and so uh, they're a little bit rougher off than uh, our original set of girls we adopted, and. Uh, one of them in particular was just super underweight and was having trouble eating and drinking. And, uh, just, I, I, I really wasn't sure that she was going to make it. Um, but I got to say like the, one of the best feelings in the world is being able to like take an animal from that point and just putting a lot of effort into it and then having them reach a turning point. Uh, so I, I was able to, uh, Eventually, I just kind of like gave up and just like fought her for like an hour and a half on Tuesday to just like force her to to eat like a, a fistful of food. I just kind of like wet it down and like popped them into her mouth, uh, which she was not a fan of until she like she would swallow them just fine and then would look happy after doing that, but didn't want me to like put it in there. Uh, so I. Uh, uh yeah but but uh, after that she then just became a whole new chicken started acting normal what uh, uh drank water and uh i had to f- refill her food bowl five times that day uh wow. because of how much uh she was eating so she's gained half a pound uh since we uh adopted her which is uh crazy birds grow really fast <laughs> she, she started out at two pounds to give context um for the episode, um, I mean, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times before, but uh, now we have uh, sort of a rationale behind why Lower Decks takes, bef- takes place before Prodigy. And it's because it, it couldn't take place after because they all died in this episode. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, there we go. All right, all right. First of all, podcast strains you take. It's been a while since I had to wait for three other people to go before me, so it's nice to see like all like most of our gang here. Bill's not here, but uh, we'll forgive him for that. <gasps> Second strains you take. 
on this podcast, as I recall, people were like, watch For All Mankind, it's about space and exploration, and it's really cool. And then I watch it, and it's like seven parts Mad Men and one part, like, you know, Apollo 13. And it's mostly about, like, interpersonal drama and, you know, cool period outfits and stuff like that. Which, it's not a bad show. It's a pretty good show. It just wasn't what I was expecting. Strangely enough, also how I felt when I watched Mad Men. I was like, I want to watch a show, cool show about advertising in the 60s. Turns out it's about, like, infidelity and, like, smoking a lot and drinking. Um, yeah, I totally couldn't make it through Mad Men. I haven't even finished the first season. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it doesn't end the way... Well, it doesn't anything the way anyone thinks it's going to do. It's really, like... And, and For All Mankind is very similar. It just jumps ahead, like, several years many times uh and it doesn't really care about continuity in the in the sense i mean it's consistent it just doesn't mm-hmm. care about like giving you the viewer like the like minute details of people's lives it's just about like how people evolve and like it's and yeah Joel, yeah go ahead yeah you, you, you don't need to know exactly uh everything that happens between those year gaps they just like maybe some people are dead and then other people are uh like their relationships have entirely changed and it's just it's fine yeah uh, it is a very strange show in, in many ways, but I do like it. So I've got two more episodes to go before I finish the third season. So we'll see. Anyway, uh, with this thing, why couldn't we just get the next episode? What is happening? Aaron J. Walkie, if you're listening, just give it to us, man. What the hell? Why are we going to wait a week? They be- All I have to say is they better not like have it be a cliffhanger like that at the end of next week's episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they're going back to like the TNG style two-parter season finale thing. And I, man, I just want to know. Also, why is this episode called Supernova? There's no Supernova. It's like, yeah. call it something different. And then the next episode should be Supernova. Unless it, within like the, the like cloud of Starfleet ships, there's a little Nova class ship that's like got a little cape on it. And that was like the deep cut. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, my, my crackpot theory is still that somehow these kids are going to cause the Hobus supernova and destroy the Romulan star empire. I would give Aaron J. Walkie (laughs) and, uh, everybody else on this show a 10 out of 10 if they show us genocide on the Nickelodeon show. Oh my god. So. I mean, they're heading in that direction. uh, It's not that fun already, so. Yeah. It is very important that children understand this about the Star Trek universe. And the best way is to take their favorite... Like, Murph. Murph kills billions of Romulans. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, No, I don't think that's going to happen, Adam. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Anyway. uh, Let's let's go to the episode summary from uh, Memory Alpha. Surrounded by the Federation Armada, the crew attempts to stop their ship from destroying all of Starfleet. This is this is kind of like the anti-Burnham, right? Like, Burnham is the only one who can save all of Starfleet. In Prodigy, the Protostar is the only ship that can destroy all of Starfleet. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> she jumps too, too far in the future to help. Yeah, that's that's what's gonna happen. The kids are gonna go to the burn times, and they're gonna. That's like, what Travis predicts. He thinks there's gonna be some sort of time travel that fixes it, or you know, does it something. has to be. There's I mean, so it's, many. It's, so it's got to be Chakotay. Like Chakotay is gonna show up somehow. Oh yeah, mm. that could be. That could be. He mm. steals one of the ships 
that they like use in the wormhole and yeah and just ends up at exactly the right time well but i i could see like since he was on the ship that crossed the wormhole he might have some some uh uh coordinates or whatever that they don't have so he's able to time it better or yeah okay also go with deus ex chakotay Deus Ex Chicote. Yeah, we, we, we'll use Chicote. Captain Chicote instead of Captain Riker as the solution <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> season. Still the best warp phase, you know, the one and a two and a three and a whatever he says. I can't remember now. But that was that was pretty oh, great. Oh no, that was pretty great. Uh, okay, so let's let's we'll get there as such. Uh, the end of the episode is probably close to our end of the episode when we when we'll talk about the two of them together. So. Okay, let's start at the beginning. Episode one of... No, let's not start at the beginning. (laughs) Uh, In the beginning of this episode, we see that our kids are now confronted by the entirety of Starfleet. And not only that, the Starfleet is headed by the Dauntless, where our Andorian uh, in command is talking to... Admiral Jellico for advice in this situation. So you know everything's going to go really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. they even say, like, doesn't, don't, was it he had told, or Janeway had told Admiral Jellico that there was a weapon on board the ship? Like, he already had information that there was a big weapon. I don't know. But I guess they didn't realize what kind of weapon it was. So I was like, y'all, you need to be proceeding a little more cautiously than you are. But. <clears throat> well, and I mean, in this situation, you know, the the the, the person in command, I mean, this. Is the, the ensign. Past- sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, true. sorry. I just that also bugged me that the ensign was the one that basically called the shot there. I was like, uh, they didn't generally let Harry Kim do that. So far as we know, but on the night shift, man, oh man, <laughs> like that's the, that's the reboot. We have a Voyager, it's Voyager colon night shift. And then we get to see what happened when everybody was asleep and Harry Kim was in command. Just, it, it's just him getting shot and like almost dying constantly. <laughs> you know, that, that, that could actually be like an, uh, uh like one of those, like, uh, what was the, the, the. That the Chief O'Brien comic. It could be a web comic. I like, have that. I don't Kim know. and oh, Command. Yeah. Kim and Command. O'Brien um, at work, isn't it? Is it O'Brien? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. We could just have a have a comic. But anyway, getting back to our episode. Janeway is now in the brig. Uh how now she knows what Paris felt like that one time that she dumped <laughs> him in the brig in that water world episode. Mm-hmm. 30 days. <laughs> Also, I haven't had a chance to. So sorry to interrupt you, Rudy. Real quick, just hold that thought. I haven't had a chance to listen to your episode uh, that you all recorded, but I hope you all talked about the fact that Janeway talks about salamanders in the last episode. We totally we, we did not. We totally glossed over it. <laughs> Let's do it now. After okay. Rudy makes his great point, we're going to talk about salamanders. Please, Rudy. Uh, I'm not going to talk about salamanders. That's okay. You can make your point, though. You can be serious, and it's then we'll gone. get into it. It's gone. It's lost. You, 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 you spoiled me. You messed it me went up away at work. When you, when you reference the greatest episode in Star Trek history, it's difficult to talk about anything else. Janeway references threshold on screen. 
That was amazing. The writing staff on this show needs to be given a raise just for incorporating that into the, the show. How does that work? How does that work? So kids are like, ooh, what's that? You know, mommy or daddy, can I watch that episode? And and then they show it? Like... It would be less traumatic than the episode they just watched. Yeah, th- this is like the first time where where they've like hinted at something. is like, oh, no, 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 you, you probably shouldn't watch that episode. No, that's a bad one. <laughs> Kids would probably love it. Yeah, yeah, the part where Tom Powers starts like peeling off his face. And his tongue and, comes and, off. And, and he's laughing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, and then they have to explain sex at the end. That'd be great. I feel like that's a real like good one to watch with your kids. Um <laughs> The birds, bees, and salamanders. It's just like that, kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happens to your parents when they had you was that they got they, tr- they went faster than warp nine and then ended up on the planet turn like regressing in evolution. That's how that's how babies are made. Crazy. Oh. I enjoy. I genuinely did enjoy it, though. Um, I feel like also it, it kind of implies to me that some of these shows might be either like I don't think they're collaborating maybe in the writer's room in terms of like passing references like that. But like Lord X also referenced the Salamanders at one point. So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, there has to be some sort of like, you know, they watch each other's episodes and maybe like it sticks in their head and. Or, I mean, they're just Star Trek fans who love referencing crazy Star Trek stuff. That's probably the most likely explanation. Well, but it's like either way, it's really whole, cool. It's like the whole catchphrase that they were, you know, what the captain's catchphrase is for going to warp. You know, that happened across several or several series. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it doesn't seem crazy for there to be uh, sharing at least of like scripts or something or like talking about ideas. Because uh, they're wanting to rival the Marvel Universe. Yeah, there we so go. It's, it's basically Alex Kirkman comes into the meeting and everyone's like, I wonder what we're going to talk about today. Is it going to be the <laughs> overarching theme for Star Trek? I wonder what it's going to be. Is it going to be like some sort of je- like massive alien menace? Like, are we going to talk about the Romulans this year? It's like, guys. Threshold. Threshold. Yeah, salamanders. <laughs> yeah. We needed every series. Um, anyway, moving on, moving on. I'm sorry, Rudy. I'm never going like, to make you forget a serious point again. Otherwise, we'll go off on the tangent remember. about Salamander. Oh, you remember. Stop. There we go. I remember. Um, so this is the Janeway um, Briggs scene, right? So I actually thought initially that she will use some kind of like deception or guile or, you know, Janeway mind trick to, to convince the person to let her out. Um, then I was like, no, it's a kid's show. That's not going to happen. You know, it's going to be do the mm-hmm. right thing. And that's what happened. And then it was a kid's show for a while. And then it wasn't. So, yeah. <laughs> Although it was interesting because like the, the way that she convinced the person was was them remembering how she <laughs> lied to a bunch of people. Uh, but then and she was I... like, and that's why I like you. But you know, that's a bit, that was the whole, that's like that ethics question that whenever you're taking ethics courses and they say, you know, when you talk about whether or not it's ethical to lie and the example they use is people lying about hiding Jews Mm. in their, uh, in their basement or in their attic when the Nazis would come and, you know, and it's Mm. like, that's like, so then it's okay to lie. So maybe they were just trying to find that way to give kids some nuance in their ethical thinking. I just took away that it's great to be lying all the time. Uh, <laughs> but no, uh, it is it is interesting, though, that they, they referenced uh, a deep cut Voyager episode again. I'm loving this aspect of Prodigy, by the way, y'all. As a, yeah. as a longtime Voyager fan, Rudy, I bet you're also kind of enjoying 
this piece. So this was, do, do you all remember which episode this was, the Devore Imperium? I don't remember the name, but I just I remember, I don't forget the name of the dude as well, but I love his, I remember his, his and Janeway's uh, common liking for uh, classical music, right? Is that the Counterpoint one? Kashik, yeah. It's counter uh, episodes called Counterpoint with. Did they have them in the buffer? That were they keeping them in like the transporter buffer or something? Exactly, Tuvok mm-hmm. and the the Brunari were in the in the buffer the whole time. But that was a good uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Was, uh, so maybe they were like, okay, we went for threshold last time. At this time, let's go for something a little stronger. <laughs> and, but but. The as far as I can tell, Brunari, who's in the brig, like as the security officer, we don't actually see her in that counterpoint episode. I don't think there's like a direct link. Like, okay, this was a character played by this one. You know, I I don't think it's quite that mm. like that much of a link. It's just like, oh, and I was there too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. going forward, they'll pull a George Lucas and they'll like, I don't know, three D impose her in the background of some shots. <laughs> It's just one animated character in this episode of Voyager. <laughs> but I mean, I we, did... we don't have a remastered uh, Voyager yet, so yeah, it's a possibility. Did, did they? Didn't they say that like it's a huge effort to remaster old Star Trek because it's all on VH, yeah. shot on VHS, and so they have to like redo literally. And a lot of the shots aren't like made for widescreen, so they. Yep. Yeah, I, th- I think it was crazy that. expensive and sounded like that. They kind of just. I like. I don't know that they're gonna do any of them anymore. I think the best chance is probably for AI stuff to get better, and so they just do an AI. Um, uh, what is it called? Like a re, not a ma- remaster, but we'll just we'll just yeah. ask ChatGPT uh, uh, reboot Voyager, and then why do you ask ChatGPT to write an episode of Star Trek? We should see it's what evil. happens. Oh, that sounds it's like evil. Fun. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's evil. Okay, All right. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Is we'll this your sir, Christmas sermon? Is like my Christmas sermon. Don't, is... don't you chat GPT. <laughs> we'll know if the episode has like this whole plot about control taking control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the few billionaires taking control of the masses is what, oh. is what it is. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Oh, okay. Tricking us into making them more money at our expense. Let's let's go to the next piece of this episode, which is basically the Ascensia, as you rightly pointed out, Emily, starts giving orders and people are like, sure, let's do that. <laughs> let's see what the ensign says. Yeah, and then and she and the Diviner and the brown dreadnought, dreadnought end up beaming over to the protostar and no one can seem to stop them. And Janeway is too late. And the and the kids figure it out though, when their when their shields go down that someone's coming over. Mm-hmm. and they get ready to fight well and they have the scene oh well they we forgot the uh they started to say something to um dal about not being able to go into starfleet because he's an augment and i was like this isn't don't tell him he doesn't need to know that before this and then gwen stops them from telling him and then she goes and tells him i'm like what are you doing like y'all are clearly kids and you don't understand <laughs> that there yeah. are things that don't need to be said right before you go into big battle. That, you know, I didn't blame Dal one bit for thinking it was that she was going to say she had feelings for him. And that's why he and kissed he kisses her. her. Oh, my Did God. He liked that part. He thought that was sweet. <laughs> I, 
I, I guess in, in terms of like parallels between Star Trek series, though, like the exact same thing happened with uh, the end of uh, Discovery, where they're like, we don't need to tell everybody uh, on the ship that Earth is about to be destroyed, uh, but we're we're definitely going to tell them so that they <laughs> make sure that they're we, we up the chances of everyone getting too sad and screwing up. Right. right. It's just I do not understand. I really felt that she was going to say something like, hey, if we don't meet again, you know, follow your dreams no matter what, right? right. Uh, you'll get what you want. Some kind, To kind of like sugarcoat what she, you know, they're all afraid he will find out. But no, she told him straight. Now, I, I will say I did appreciate it did give Dal a chance to do something heroic, right? Yes. And he's like, no, I'm you know what? You don't need to be the one to go fight them off. I'm going to be the one to fight them off. So you all have a chance to follow your Starfleet dreams, right? So I totally, yeah. I did appreciate that aspect of well, it, but I still think that Starfleet needs to do some serious changing of their policies so that people who are augments through no fault of their own and no decision of their own, but perhaps against their will or created that way with no say so that should not, those rules should not apply to them. <laughs> like that's just, yeah. Anyway. Well, so I, 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 I'm of kind of like two minds of it because I, I agree with you. Like that was a great like character moment for Adele for Adele mm -hmm. to be able to get. Um, yeah, have that heroic moment of like, I, I will do this so that all of you can go to Starfleet Academy. But like the following scene kind of just feels like it undoes it a little bit because uh, he he's then the one holding the phaser, but everyone else is still running around with him to go fight off whoever it is. Yes, it doesn't end up mattering because it's not really Starfleet that is boarded the ship. But um, I like part of me almost w wishes that we got to see um, like a, a bit more payoff of like him him actually going through with that kind of sacrifice. Like maybe if Essencia hadn't revealed herself before beaming over, but still had a couple of other uh, uh, Starfleet officers with her, like maybe he would have to uh, have a bit of a standoff with them or something like that. But I, I, I don't know. So I have a thought about that. I think maybe the point is that these kids are a team and there's no way they're going to let one of them yeah. make that sacrifice on their own. And so even though Dal was totally willing to go yeah, and, that's a fair point. you know, fight off Starfleet so that the other kids could have their chance, the kids are like, heck no, we're in this together. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? Yeah. And, so and probably they, for, for brevity, we probably just didn't have that like mini right, scene. Right. Uh, we wanted to show ships slowly blowing each other up for 10 minutes. Uh, and the, the whole, the, really one of the, um, one of the threads that has been woven throughout this entire series is these kids learning how to work together yeah. and how to be a team. So I think that's kind of what they were showing in that. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. I also think, I mean, obviously it it enables then all the Valnakarts to be just by themselves on the mm. bridge, right? While everybody else is doing something mm. else. So it kind of, uh, you know. And um, all, you know what was so interesting about the Valnakat scene was all three of them had different perspectives and they wouldn't have had different perspectives at the beginning of the series. But because yeah. the Diviner kind of had had a shift over the arc of the series mm -hmm. um, where, and the um, whatever her name is, the vindicator, she definitely was still committed to the goal. And obviously Gwyn was like, there has got to be another way for our world yeah. to be saved besides destroying an entire <laughs> entity that is many worlds, you know? 
Yeah, and um, and it's interesting because like they they've had different amounts of time to think about it because he was the same age as the Vindicator when he went back. It's just that he mm. went back. Uh, mm. Uh, was it 14? I, I forget how many years Something, we, yeah. I think we had a confirmation of what year it was. I've just forgotten it. Um, and so, yeah, like they, they've each had like a different amount of time to think about it. Uh, and it's, yeah, I, I, I mean, since we're already kind of getting close to there, maybe it's, it's worth us just like talking. We, we, Emily, you talked about like wondering last week, whether there was going to be a, um, like a redemption, redemption arc for uh for the diviner um i get, I, i'm curious like how do you feel about the resolution if this is the resolution of his of his character where um yeah you know I, feel, that fight scene. I actually i found it i didn't i wasn't really bothered by it actually the way they ended up doing it um because they did it, i mean it would have been awfully nice if he had recognized his um role as a father earlier <laughs> in the <laughs> season when he chose the ship over his daughter right yeah um so and he still is obviously an enslaver of children which is really problematic <laughs> yeah. um uh so it's kind of like you know it did, and he didn't he didn't recognize his um his uh shortcomings in that regard he just recognized his shortcomings and as far as being a good father mm-hmm. um but uh i mean i think it was a nice thing for gwen to be able to yeah. have that with her father i think um but yeah it was just i yeah it was it was i wasn't like I didn't like roll my eyes at it or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's not clean. I still feel, I think it's a miss, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, Adam, when you were saying that he's had more time, um, to, you know, have perspective and think through things. Yeah. Enslaving ch- children for a decade plus will do that to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Give you perspective, I guess. Uh, and, and they shouldn't gloss over that. We, we discussed that last episode. I think we, we, we're all pretty sure uh, he's gonna, you know, bite the bullet, so to say, or what do you, mm-hmm. whatever that is, that that warping metal, bite that metal, uh, the Valnacut metal. Um, yeah, they, 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 I really hope that they figure out a way to convey that. I think it's already too late, but the enslaving children part, um, it goes counter to like, you can't like, you can't redeem yourself through that one. Two, if you do, you have to call it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't just pretend it didn't happen, like the United States. I mean, there's yeah, there's this weird stuff about plausible deniability. Like he was in this, you know, ivory tower doing all his like planning for the end of Starfleet, whereas, um, I guess the Dreadnought and his daughter were affecting his will, but. No, it still doesn't make sense. You you mm-hmm. got to call it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think this was a part of the episode that I was like truly uncomfortable with mm-hmm. how it was portrayed, and I I think they would have done better to just have like the diviner fall into a volcano, <laughs> and, like you know, like Johnny Bravo style, like he just like flies off into a volcano. <laughs> like I I know why they did or it. Hammer give, style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I like Hammer. <laughs> I, I did like Hammer. Um, but I, I can see why they did it, to give Gwyn, like, a little, like, emotional blowback or whatever. But mm-hmm. it just, it wasn't right. Like, when you make someone, like, an enslaver of children, on a kid's show, you can't, like, I, I don't know. It, yeah. Like, 
it's it's like Giorgio, like it's even worse than Giorgio in some ways. Although I don't know, maybe Giorgio is worse. I think Star Trek needs to get away from this. Like we're gonna redeem like really bad people. <laughs> like if you're gonna redeem really bad people, you need to show their brokenness that leads them to do these awful things. And even then, there still may not be redemption in that. But it's like yeah, th- then like, you you make them get possessed by a demon in a fire cave. And, right there you uh, go. <laughs> well, you know, and I was gonna say they actually, you know, and that is a good example though. What they did with Goldicott is a better way to show different sides of a character and nuance in a character while it's, he's while also not being like oh well he's actually a good guy he just you know had some trauma in his life and you no no it doesn't make him a good guy it it makes him a multifaceted guy but, you yeah. know anyway <clears throat> yeah well i think we have uh we we've We've kind of established we're not big fans of this whole Diviner thing uh, arc in this episode. Um, But, well, the Vindicator decides to take the ship and decides to start, basically, sends out the living construct and the kids can't stop her. Mm -hmm. And we end up in a... Well, well, we, we haven't discussed the fight scene, though, which happens in, like, right before the Diviner dying. Where Dreadnought basically incapacitates all the kids, and then the kids like persevere and find a solution. What do y'all? What do y'all think about that whole thing? I mean, like this episode. I don't know if y'all felt this. It felt like an hour long episode, but it was just thirty minutes, and mm-hmm. so much happens in it. Yeah, and I think this was part of it because we got a full like, like they could have ended the episode when the kids are all incapacitated. Like that would have been a cliffhanger for a two parter just mm-hmm. in itself. But instead, they free themselves. Mm-hmm. I actually, thank you. I was uh, actually felt that I was surprised that um, Asensia re- revealed herself to be the Vindicator as she was beaming away. Um, I, I was like, oh, wow, why does this need two parts then? If she's going to reveal herself, there's like 50 ships out there. There's an admiral who's convinced um, her uh, security officer to let her out of the brig. Starfleet? can figure this stuff out it's not going to be a problem um so it really starts uh picking up the pace there uh, i also feel that the dreadnought did did it did its homework its homework in like finding out uh incapacitation uh mechanisms for each of the group that was nice like you had this little uh oh uh, yeah like the gravity mine and yeah the, the elect whatever the electric whatever electromagnetic mine mm-hmm. as well for Medusa or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, well, good phaser, could... good phaser corridor fight, yeah. yeah. Which, which I guess the the diviner probably gave information or gave her all the information she needed in terms of like how to plan through incapacitating each of the kids. Uh... It's because he's a bad dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who enslaves children. But he let, but he let Janeway be free. Uh, so that she could protect his daughter when he kills a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah. Well, y'all talked about that, so I'm not going to go into that part. Uh, I have feelings. Um, but anyway. Well, the, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, the kids clearly have learned something over the past uh, the 18 episodes because yeah. they know how to fight. <laughs> they know how to, you know, like I, that was, oh, and you know, it was interesting. You said that there was so much packed into this episode, but I also found it interesting how slow paced the ship battle was. 
like the it way really it was, would, yeah. you know, like in the way they would go to the living construct and the, a ship would flash in and then they would show the face, you know, like the phaser fire felt very slow. The, uh, anyway, it was just really interesting. So it wasn't overwhelming. Like, so usually yeah. the ship battles that we see in Star Trek can almost be a little overwhelming just because there's so many ships and there's things going, but the flying that the kids did. Or that Dal did, I guess, was very cool. I was like, wow. And Travis said, so clearly um, this augment knows how to think three-dimensionally, unlike Khan, who can't think three-dimensionally. <laughs> that's, that's the Arganian that's in him. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, they know about three dimensions. Um, yeah, I... I mean, well, what, one, I, I was uh, I was really impressed with, like, a lot of the visuals that, that we got in that, uh, that's, that scene in terms of, like sort of diving in between the cells and whatnot I, I thought that was a very clever way to take use of like this is a very tiny ship that's very maneuverable yeah. and whatnot um i uh touching on the um like them getting up after the fight scene i i feel like it is it is appropriate to have like i think part of the purpose of this episode is to show like the scale of like how defeated are these kids and mm-hmm. so i think i think that's part of why we need to have them like rise up after that fight is because we get that moment of hope to be like oh well they'll be able to figure out some way to do it and they even sort of get their chance to uh sort of argue for this and it just it's it's too big and it and it it can't fix it and it's um, i can't believe this is a kid show yeah i i I know it's like one of the most devastating losses we've seen in star trek besides uh the burn i guess (laughs) but uh it's um i I mean similar kind of to uh uh in in some ways like the the destruction of vulcan where you're just like oh wait no they 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 really did it uh uh you- i i think like we've talked about before i think this will get undone but um yeah do you guys think that the the slow nature of that phaser fire like literally it just like fires one phaser one torpedo and then the switch uh the the ship switch is that uh, indirect way to indicate that hey don't worry there wasn't really any major loss of life because at the end you're seeing all these ships floating around there's like hull breaches and there's and like straight up debris yeah but but obviously no bodies could show still maybe a little bit um yeah so. i mean none of the ships have exploded yeah. so i found that we, interesting we see, too i would have f- thought because like we saw the space station we Basically. see a severed nacelle, but yeah, I, I guess you're right. I, I'm not sure that we've seen any like um, warp core breaches or anything like that. Uh, so it, it is possible that we're station, that 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 they're not going to really like undo anything, but there's going to be the uh, Deus Ex Chicote, uh, or sorry, Chicote X Machina. Yeah, there we go. Who knows? <laughs> Chicote is the god, god in this god, one, right? Yeah, god from the Chicote. <laughs> god from the Chicote. <laughs> the god from the Chicote makes the Chicote of the machine. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there we go. So we are a al- So this is something that we talked about before we started the podcast. Obviously, we are aligned that basically we think Chicote is coming back next episode to time travel to before. This thing yeah. was revealed. The the living construct was sent out so the kids can stop it from happening in the first place. Yeah, I, I because I I think my original assumption uh, as we were getting the last maybe two or three episodes, I was starting to think that there was just too much for us to 
unpack in like these last couple of episodes and that maybe they were going to leave Chakotay's rescue for like season two. Like we figure out how to go into the future or whatnot. But I, I honestly feel like they could wrap up everything if Chakotay just somehow on his own volition, like comes back in time. Uh, I, I think that could fit into 24 minutes or whatnot. And then make season two about how Starfleet can learn to not be so discriminatory against people who have no choice in how they were created, right? Yeah. <laughs> and figure out how I mean, Dal honestly, can we, we could have some great, later. like, Measure of a Man type yeah. Uh, episodes. Yeah. And that'd be good for kids. Uh, rather like, than, like, uh, than, like, total, uh, you know, <sighs> galaxy wide destruction of. <laughs> Starfleet, you know, <laughs> or quadrant wide at least. I, I was thinking. I started to think that maybe there's like there was some essence of the diviner that kind of went into um, Gwen. Gwen, right? Mm-hmm. And so maybe she gets some like latent knowledge, genetic knowledge on how to maybe because if if there is if there is a Chakotay situation and they're trying to go back in time to fix it all, it would be it would be weird if the kids don't go along with him right it's just like he just does it and it's like a quick ribbon at the end and everything's fixed right um a la Riker. so i was wondering if there's if there's some kind of uh you know problem solving that the kids do themselves now because gwen is um you know gained some enhanced. of her father's knowledge yeah, yeah. You know, did you so the maybe do you think the Valnacott are related to books people? They glow too, right? They have the things on mm. their heads. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I was just thinking about the glowing because the um the uh vindicator she glowed, right? Didn't she her eyes glowed and something else like I right before point, yeah. um I can't remember which point it was. But anyway, the yep. glowing is interesting to me. I don't know what all it means, but but there, there hasn't been any space Hebrew yet, so uh, yeah. it's not the same mechanism. I was uh... I'm interested to see what happens with Gwyn's face glowing as well after the diviner mm-hmm. particularizes, mm-hmm. and like, does that mean that she now has some like key memories, or has she yeah, assumed what... his function, or she's going to start enslaving children? Oh. <laughs> Oh, no. oh gosh, <laughs> she better not. I, I so, like uh, joking aside. I, 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 I really did like getting to see that moment where they called her captain. Yes, yes. I, yes. I've been, Finally. I've been wanting that since like yes. episode two or something like that. Yes, and you know, I also really appreciated that Janeway called. Did she call? Was it Dal that she called captain? But she called one of yeah, whoever yeah. answered the hail, captain. Um, on the view screen. And I appreciated yes. that too. Cause I'm like, she's taking them seriously and recognizing mm-hmm. that they um, are really trying to do the right thing. And anyway, so I yeah. see that I see those little nuggets being something that I, I want that to be what they glom onto for season two mm-hmm. and nurture that stuff in the kids um, rather than, you know, the you know. DMA. I know this isn't the DMA, but it kind of feels like the DMA. You know what could happen, though? Now you've got me thinking, Emily, if there is a way that Janeway gets incapacitated again, she's she's still the only one that really knows that the kids mean well and can vouch for them. Do, the, do we get into season two with a Brig-like situation where the kids are left to themselves trying to... Well- Trying to convince I, others, and at the very least, like the Klingons have gotten a message, mm-hmm. although maybe it's like relayed from the kids, and so it was just the Klingons convincing each other. 
but um it, i mean the ferengi got involved i some of me feels like there's substantial evidence that the kids are meaning well uh mm-hmm. that like i i hope that we don't have to go like all the way through uh a scene like that or a, or a season yeah <laughs> interesting one thing that unnerved me one thing that unnerved me and and i almost missed this when you guys mentioned like essentia was somehow calling all the shots on the dauntless i missed that partly because i was always so unnerved by that 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 evil smile that she gave when things went her way (laughs) across multiple episodes so i I was like oh no she's smiling anyone see that somebody look at that smile she's not she's not um, Ensign, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I uh, I will confess again to you guys that I was disappointed that we didn't get the second part of this. Uh, it it seems like also like who's watching TV between Christmas and New Year's? I guess a lot of people, but still, it's like come on, y'all. I wanna I, I want this to be over so I can know what happens. Um, do you all I don't think need this... anything else to make my Christmas feel fraught. Like, yeah, <laughs> I want my I want my entertainment to like. That's why we turn to like our you know our cheesy Christmas movies, right? Yeah, yeah. So, do you think that this is the season is going to end on a cliffhanger? I hope not. Oh, I, no. I I I think we we've gotten too much cliffhanger already. I I feel like they've got to resolve it. I mean, we we could the next episode could just be like. Oh, okay. Now we're gonna show uh, all these other planets getting destroyed too, because they're also gonna get the living construct infecting them. <laughs> but I, I feel like we're, we're probably not gonna just do that. <laughs> I mean, the, it's the kids tour been... of all the systems with Starfleet <laughs> destroying itself. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that just reminds me. Like, I may have missed. I, I, I badly checked a message, um, <laughs> so I might have missed one second of what we just said. But that. Why the heck did they have to have the ships beaming in and immediately start firing, like turn red and start firing? That was ridiculous. I think that may be more bad than almost anything else. And I liked the episode, but that I was like, are you kidding me? Like you took away the any little piece of hope that we maybe had that this wouldn't affect the entire. Yeah, that, that, that that's almost like a. um it, if this was done in like the uh, best of both worlds style, like that would be the first scene of the next episode. Is there like, or like we think yes. all all's lost? Like, oh no, it's even worse because yeah, no, but not, not this show, not this show that's made for kids. Yeah, like, they yeah. Want you to really, like you think all's lost? No, it's lost even more. <laughs> what the all heck? Right. All right, all right, all right. Let's we're starting to give this episode ratings already. So let's let's do it formally. Let's give our strange new ratings. Which of you would like to stick your neck out and give Supernova Part One a rating? This one's hard. Like it, yeah. it's good. It's it get, brings things together, but then it has these you know plot holes as such. So I am going to go with um I'm going to go with eight uh eight frozen uh, gooey things <laughs> out of 10. Um, it, it, it's got a good balance. It sets it up well for the next episode. Keeps us guessing what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's just... Um, it's a little tough on the kids. I really hope they close it out positively. 
Yeah. I think, oh, go ahead, Adam. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to go for a, a nine. I, and I think there's a possibility that I could rate that I could raise it to a 10 with the next episode. Right. Mm. I, I think some of it'll, it, it kind of hinges on how this all plays out. Because they but, should have released both episodes yesterday. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that, I, I, I do think that would have been the better call, but it's, it's just, I like, there's a lot of incredible moments in this episode. Uh, and it's just, but it's just like, it is, it is very much like a, I feel like people aren't going to like tune in, just watch this episode and be like, I great, great episode of Prodigy. I don't need to watch any more Prodigy. <laughs> like the, you're going to have to watch this episode with the next one in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with a 8 out of 10. Um, I think I like this episode. I liked how long it felt. I feel like Mm -hmm. they really made good use of their real estate, which is, I think, the opposite of most. Well, I don't think other episodes make bad use of their real estate. I just think that they are very much... There's less happening in most episodes of Friday. Mm -hmm. They're much simpler. And this one just crammed a ton of stuff into their 24 minutes. So uh, 8 out of 10. Really liked it. So I'm going to go with a four out of five because I actually I think if I had been watching the episode by myself, I probably would have liked it more. But I was watching it with my kid who was a little traumatized by it. And um, the reason that Notch rated was it two episodes ago, Ghost in the Machine, you dropped your rating because you felt like it was you really felt like it was written for kids, which not to hate to break it to you, but it is written for kids. No, no, no. It felt like it was written for kids. Not that yeah. it was. These are all yes. written for kids, but that no, one I know. was I'm like, teasing. you know. I'm teasing. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but like for the same reason in the opposite direction, I, I feel like this show was supposed to be for kids and it was a little, it was, it was pretty intense. And I know it's okay to have things that are scary for kids and those are good things mm-hmm. for them to see in the safety of their own home watching on a screen. Right. You know, so, mm-hmm. but, um, but this one was a little intense. Cause I mean, it it felt intense for us cause mm-hmm. you know, listen to our conversation that we had. So I just knock it down a little bit, but I also think I'm kind of with Adam. Um, I think it's hard to rate this one without having seen the next episode. So I think that might affect things too. Yeah. Do you guys think that parents are going to be calling into like a, prodigy helpline or whatever sake we have to deal with devastated kids who are having nightmares <laughs> ruined uh, christmas. christmas christmas eve christmas like, morning they, they didn't make the show for four-year-olds so i confess you know i know my kid is probably a little young to be watching prodigy, mm, yeah. but people also take their kids to watch things that they're far too young for so i figured mm. me yeah, having I my feel kid like watch is... prodigy is pretty minor minor <laughs> yeah so, this is probably rated for like uh Seven, is it? Seven plus or something. I think that's one of the ratings thresholds. Mm-hmm. Not this episode. <laughs> yeah, this episode is 14. <laughs> all right, all right, you guys. Well, I'm glad we had such a good discussion about this early on a Friday morning. Mm. Let's. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens next week with the, the, conclu- ex- the exciting conclusion. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Emily. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Rudy, for joining me to chat about Supernova. Thanks, uh, Thanks, Notch. Hope we can do this again next week. And uh, Bill, whatever you're up to, hope it's a great time. Uh, Thanks to you, dear listener, for making time for us in your hectic holiday week. Hope you enjoyed our podcast. as reprieve from whatever it is that you're up to. Thank you, Jishnugu, for recording our theme music. Uh, We always appreciate hearing you strumming away at the guitar. 
And a special thanks this week to the Diviner for trying to like redeem himself. You're still a slaver, buddy. Uh, we don't redeem you. <laughs> All right, thanks everyone. <laughs> See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.